just wanted to start us out with some laughter because, like I said, we are going to go feverishly through the rest of the morning. We are today going to be talking about the letters that are in the New Testament. And the New Testament is pretty much um, composed of letters. Um, we start with Acts, the book or the letter Acts, and it goes all the way through Jude. And to give you an idea of how many letters that is, um, I'm going to say them for you. So we're going to start with Acts, and then we're going to go to Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, Titus, Philemon. But wait, <laughs> there's more. Hebrews, James, First and Second Peter, First, Second, Third John, Jude, and we're done. So that's all we have to cover today. <laughs> We're going to say Revelation for next Sunday. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, Pastor Ryan's going to cover that. That's going to add at least another hour. But it's all good stuff. The challenging thing for me is, for those of you who know me, I'm, I tend to be very animated. I walk around a lot. I don't even pay attention to my notes. They're just guidelines. And so, but today I actually really have to, I'm kind of bound to my notes um, because I, I do want to make sure that we get um, some this covered. And um, I want to make sure that I'm giving you uh, the answers to the fill in the blank. So I'm, a lot of it's I'm going to be reading verbatim, which I don't like to do. And I'm going to kind of be bound. I asked First Service to do this, and they uh, did it poorly. If you see me wandering, I just need you guys to be like, get back over there. Get back. No one did it, and I was all over here talking and then realized, ah, I got to get back. So I really need you guys to hold me accountable. If I wander, don't let me go too far. Just send me back. Okay? All right, good. So... As I said, most of the New Testament is composed of letters. Well, who wrote these letters? Letters were written by the apostles to various churches around the world. So the apostles were the ones who wrote the letters. Um, it was custom that when a letter was received um, by a group of believers that the letter was read out loud to everyone. And so um, just for review, apostles, that word just meant, uh, means one who is sent. So um, Jesus, when he uh, left the earth, he said, listen, I'm sending you. Go, preach, teach, make disciples. And so a, a disciple or an apostle is one who is sent, and he's sent to preach and to teach. And so these letters contain uh, instruction. They contain uh, encouragement. They contain correction, quite a bit of correction, as you'll see as we move through these letters. Um, but we, we have to keep in mind that um, the church was just forming. It's called the early church. The believers were just learning to walk out their new faith. And so they had a lot of um, pagan religions that they were leaving behind, a lot of false practices. And, and so they're learning how to walk out uh, this new life in Christ, this new faith. Um, and so a lot of instruction was needed, um, as you can imagine. And so that's what these letters are all about. So we're going to hop right in. The first letter or first book that we're going to look at is Acts. And uh, the author is Luke. Now, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, um, Pastor Ryan talked about the four Gospels, um, what are often called synoptic Gospels. Um, they're the biography or the life. They tell the story of Jesus while he was here on this earth, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So this is the same Luke that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. So he wrote uh, the book of Luke, and now again he wrote Acts. And so Acts is the story of what happened immediately after Jesus left the earth. Um, it's the story of the leadership of the apostles. 
Um, it talks a lot about the spreading of the gospel. Um, it talks about persecutions, miracles, imprisonment, breakthrough. It's a very dynamic, active book, and it's just full, again, of stories. Um, some of the books in the Bible, uh, you think of Psalms, Proverbs, um, they're poetry books. Um, others are books of um, biography, as we talked about the uh, Gospels. Um, Acts is meant to be read as a historical record. And actually, the full name of the book is the Acts of the Apostles. So you're talking about the things that they did, that they spoke, that they experienced. And so it's to be read more as a um, historical record. And uh, Acts is one of the longest uh, books in the Bible. It has, uh, in, the, in the New Testament, one of the longest books in the New Testament, 28 chapters. But well, well worth the read. One of the dynamic events that happens and is recorded in the book of Acts is that of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, some of you may be familiar with that. In Acts uh, 1.8, um, Jesus is talking to uh, his disciples, and after uh, Jesus died, uh, rose again, it, scripture says that he, for 40 days, appeared to different people, to different individuals. And uh, on this particular occasion, the, um, the disciples were um, sitting and they were eating together and Jesus appeared to them. And he says, you know, I have work for you to do, but I need for you to do something first. I, I need for you to wait. I need for you to wait for um, the Holy Spirit to come. He's going to baptize you. He's going to fully immerse you. He's going to fill you up and he's going to give you the power to do the work that I'm asking you to do. And he says, wait for it because you're going to need that power. And the same is true for us today. Um, we need the power to be witnesses in order to speak God's word, in order to live his word. Um, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so um, Jesus tells his disciples to wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter two, uh, we read about that account when the believers were together in prayer and the Holy Spirit filled them up. And um, just all of the, the mighty things that they did after that happened, after they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, scripture also tells us that the Spirit is the one who gives us gifts. He distributes gifts. Uh, scripture says that there are many gifts, but one Spirit. And if you want to um, hear, I can't go into the gifts, but if you want to um, read more about the gifts, um, Ephesians, Romans, uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Peter, all books that talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, hospitality, intercession, giving, faith. Um, all of those gifts are distributed by the Holy Spirit. So um, sometimes when people talk about the Holy Spirit, um, he gets overshadowed by this, this thing called tongues. And uh, do you believe in tongues? Do you not believe in tongues? Do you speak in tongues? Do you not? Is it for today? Is it not for today? And really, the outpouring, the filling of the Holy Spirit is so much more than that. He literally is the power that we need, that we rely on to live out our life to be able to be witnesses for him in this world. All right, moving on. <laughs> Romans. Paul is the author of Romans, and Romans is universally considered one of the greatest and most important writings for the Christian faith. It's, it covers the essence, the heart, the soul, the mind of the Christian faith. Uh, we get the Christian worldview in its fullest and most complete form in Romans. Now, uh, some of you may have um, tackled the book of Romans, and I say tackle, <laughs> because Romans is, uh, it starts out pretty heavy in theology and doctrine. It talks about um, 
judgment and righteousness and the propitiation of sin and words that we're like, what in the world is this talking about? And it's pretty heavy. And some start out on that journey and get to about chapter four and they're like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 this is too much. It's pretty, it starts out pretty heavy in theology, but I'm telling you, it's good. It's good. Again, we have the Holy Spirit to help us, to teach us and um, to reveal truth to us. Press on through. The second part of the book of Romans or this letter um, is very much more um, application, how to live out, how to walk out this truth. And um, kind of as a bridge between the first part and the second part of this book is a chapter, um, chapter seven. And I just want to spend a few minutes on chapter seven. It may um, be familiar to some of you when I quote it, but I just love um, chapter seven, especially toward the end, because it just shows... Um, you know, we think of the Apostle Paul and we're like, man, that guy was just something else. And he was. And he did so many things. And he did. But I love chapter 7 of Romans because it's, it shows you the, he's very vulnerable. He's very transparent about his own struggles. And it's almost as if he says, you know, listen, I know we just talked a lot about theology and, and, and um, righteousness and, and, and living in righteousness and um, and." Before we talk about the practical side of it and walking that out, it's almost as um, if he's saying, listen, I, I want you to know that I can relate. I, I understand that sometimes walking this out is not easy. Sometimes there's a struggle with it. And so um, chapter 7, Paul says, he says, listen, I don't understand myself sometimes. The very thing that I do not want to do is what I do. The thing that I don't want to do I keep doing it. The thing that I do want to do, oh, my Lord, I just can't seem to get it right. And so I think about that, and I think, you know, most people who know me, um, I speak my mind pretty freely in love. And um, so, but I do speak my mind pretty freely. And I tell you, I can't tell you how many times I will wake up in the morning, and I know I'm going into a situation or an environment with someone who just knows how to push my buttons. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to take the high road. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to do all things in love. And then they say something, and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, you know, and it's like, why can't I stop? And I hear Paul when he's saying this. The very things I don't want to do, I do. They're right there. I just do it. But the things that I don't want to, you know, and he's in this struggle, and he's so transparent, and he's so real, and I love that. I love it because it's almost as if he's saying, listen, I understand that walking this out is not always easy. But again, we have the power, we have the help of the Holy Spirit. And then um, in chapter 8 of Romans, he says, listen, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Look, you're going to fall down. There are just going to be days that you're, we're just not going to get it right. But God's not up there condemning us and saying, oh, my Lord, this is it. You get one more chance. I mean it. This is it. He's saying, listen, <laughs> I, I, I can give you the power. Um, I, I have grace. And there is no condemnation. And so I love, I, I'm going to have to keep moving on, but I love <laughs> Romans and all that is um, contained in Romans. If Just push through, push through, I encourage you. Um, it is heavy on the theology and the, and the uh, doctrine leading into it, but just push through, ask the Holy Spirit to give you insight and wisdom. He will, um, and then enjoy the, the end of the book or the latter chapters of the book that talk about the practical um, aspect of walking out our salvation. Okay, First and 2 Corinthians. Now, um, the church in Corinth, this body of believers, they needed two letters. They needed two. <laughs> 
They were a mess, to put it bluntly. Uh, listen to um, some of the things that Paul had to address with this body of believers. Um, see if any of it sounds familiar. I don't know. He had to talk to them about divisions. Some were saying, well, I follow this person. Well, I follow this person. Well, my teacher is better than your teacher. Well, your teacher is So there was divisions about who, who, we, who I'm going to follow, um, who I'm going to listen to. There was inappropriate behavior. Um, and it was being excused away because they're like, well, we have freedom in Christ now. And so one of the things that Paul addresses, um, it's a very specific instance of where um, this, this fellow was um, having a relationship with his uh, mother-in-law. And he's like, what? That's not okay? I thought there was grace. And Paul's like, yeah, no. Uh-uh. And so he addresses that. Believers were suing each other, dragging each other to court, suing one another. Um, the Lord's table had become a drunken party. They didn't use Welch's grape juice like we do. It was full-on wine. And they were like, I think I need to revisit. I need to have communion again. Uh, I didn't really talk through everything the first three times, so I needed to get. Yeah, and it was just becoming a, a drunken, gluttonous party. So Paul had to address that. Um, some believers had stopped believing um, in the resurrection. And so there were just a number of things that Paul would have to address. And again, um, come on. These things sound familiar, don't they? Still happening in the church, still being addressed. Um, but again, we have to keep in mind that these are new believers. The church is just forming. Um, people have just left wild pagan practices. And sometimes, I know even in my own life, when we come to Christ and we're brand new, we bring what we know. And we do what we know to do. And God has to work with us and teach us and instruct us. And so that's what's happening here. Um, Paul wrote the first letter to um, the church at Corinth and then followed it up with the second letter. Now, something that I want to be very, very clear about, um, and this is the fill in the blank in your notes. It is very important to note that Paul addressed many cultural issues in these letters. And the reason that I think that that's very important is that um, as a woman in ministry, and as a pastor, I get First and Second Corinthians quoted to me a lot. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be speaking. Church says be quiet. Women shouldn't. And I just want to really emphasize that there were things that Paul addressed in his letters that were specific to the culture. You may read it and wonder, why does Paul care if a woman braids her hair or wears jewelry? There was a reason that he addressed that. And one of the reasons was that there were temple prostitutes, and they dressed and looked a certain way. And Paul's like, look, I want you to come out from that. I don't want you to look anything like that. So the jewelry, the hair, the how you speak, when you speak, what you He was addressing it very specifically, and it was a cultural thing. Now, there are very many principles in the Bible, obviously, Timeless, ageless, as true for us today as they were when they were first spoken. Those principles are true. Cultural things, however, speak very specifically to the culture. And so it is very important for us to uh, make that distinction between principles and cultural specifics. Okay? Please make sure that we're not going around saying you can't wear jeans, women can't do this, you're not supposed to. Make sure that when we are quoting scripture that we are quoting truth. And uh, we understand the difference between a principle and a cultural specific. All right? Amen. <laughs> okay, like I said, I, uh, that's something that's important to me because as a woman in ministry, uh, it's something that I really um, actually, I have to address quite a bit. Um, okay, Galatians. 
also written by Paul, and you're going to hear Paul's name a lot. Paul actually wrote most of the letters uh, in the New Testament, so uh, this is no different. Uh, the book of Galatians, um, like Romans, it's pretty heavy in theology. Um, in this particular letter, Paul was addressing a group of people called Judaizers, and um, Judaizers were Jewish Christians who believed that you should continue all of the Old Testament ceremonies and practices. Um, so in essence, they were still trying to hold on to works. They were saying, well, you, ha you have to do this, you can't do this, you can do this, you have to say this, you have to do this. And so um, they were trying to bring a works-related righteousness um, onto the scene, and, and Paul's like, no. Um, listen, <laughs> uh, you started out in grace. He, he, he says, who, who tripped you up to now that you're going back to, to works? Um, we need to leave work. Actually, it flies in the face of, of what Christ did on the cross because Christ says, listen, now you are saved by grace through faith, not of works, nothing that we do. It's a gift of God. And so Paul um, takes to task this idea of um, legalism and, and you have to practice the letter of the law. And he says, listen, um, we're under grace now. We're under grace. All right, Ephesians. Um, again, written by Paul uh, to the church or to the group of believers in Ephesus. And um, this is a little bit unique, this letter, because it's not really um, written to address a specific problem or to bring correction to a specific thing. Um, it's more of a discipleship letter. Uh, it's des designed to give the reader um, a bigger view of a few things, a bigger view of the church, a bigger view of um, their mission, um, so what, what we've all been called and sent to do, and a bigger view of God. And so, um, again, doesn't really address a particular problem or bring correction to a particular issue. Uh, it's more of a discipleship letter on how to live. Um, <clears throat> many people um, know uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Um, it, it talks about the armor of God, and so a lot of people are familiar with that chapter. It talks about put on the helmet of salvation, belt of truth, and so that's found in Ephesians, um, last chapter, chapter 6. All right, Philippians. Um, we're going to spend a little bit of time here. Philippians was, um, again, written by Paul, and it was written while he was in prison uh, in Rome. And um, a couple of years ago, uh, we actually, Pastor Ryan actually did a sermon series called Joy in Jail. Uh, I don't know if any of you will remember that, but he talked about, um, Paul talks about living a life free of what could bind us. And I mean, he was literally bound. He was in jail. He couldn't go anywhere. But yet in, in that environment, in that setting, um, he wrote to the church in um, Philippi. And the interesting thing is that um, the birth of the church in Philippi is actually recorded in the book of Acts. And so I want to take us there. Um, <clears throat> this church was birthed out of an amazing, amazing miracle. Um, what happened is that Paul and his traveling buddies, um, they were, as, as they would do, they would come to a city, to a town, um, and they would start preaching. Um, and typically they would go to a place of prayer uh, where people gathered and they'd just start sharing. They were talking about Christ, talking about the way. And um, so in, in one particular instance, there was a, a young woman and um, she was a fortune teller and she kept following them everywhere and saying, these are the servants of the most high God. These are the servants of the most And you would think, well, that's what's wrong with that. Well, after a few days, it's just annoying. And so Paul is like, listen, we're, we're going to put an end to this. And so he uh, recognizes that it's a spirit that's not from the Lord and he commands it to leave her. And so um, this woman actually was kind of a moneymaker for 
um, some people and uh, because she would tell fortunes and make money for them. Well, when their source of income dried up, they were irate. And so they go to the authorities and they're going to tattletale on Paul and they're like, this guy is stirring up stuff and, you know, he's preaching against, you know, Roman law and custom. And so Paul and Silas are thrown in jail and it says they were thrown in the inner jail. So, they, I mean, they were really in jail. <laughs> they were thrown in the inner cell. Uh, they were um, flogged, beaten, bound and thrown in jail. Pretty awful situation, right? They probably spent all their time sulking and questioning their relationship with the Lord and nope. That's not what scripture says. It says at midnight they were worshiping. They were having themselves a full-on worship service. They were worshiping the Lord in the midst of those circumstances. And something happened. So it says um, they're worshiping, and the power of God just hit that place, and it says an earthquake came. And it shook the uh, foundation so hard that the gates to the cells just flew open. Now, Paul and Silas were not the only uh, prisoners there. There were other prisoners. Can you imagine being locked in your cell and all of a sudden the gate just flies open? I mean, the door just literally opens and you're like, what time is the next train? <laughs> I'm out of here. But the amazing thing is that no one left. Not one prisoner left. Now, the jailer, the person who was in charge of these prisoners, he wakes up and he's like, I'm in a whole lot of trouble because, you know, these prisoners are his responsibility. If they escape, then his life, they take his life. And so in order to just go ahead and expedite what was going to happen, he, Scripture says he pulls out his sword, the jailer responsible for these guys, and he was about to fall on his sword. He's about to take his own life. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Wait, we're all here. And the jailer's like, what say you? What? And he goes, and sure enough, they are all still there. And this guy's like, uh, I want what you have. He says, what must I do to be saved? I love that. I absolutely love it. Because our words will do so much. When we preach the gospel, I love someone said, um, preach the gospel at all times. And when possible, use words, <laughs> or when necessary, use words. Because I'm telling you, we can say what we want, we can say it, we can say it. But how we live our lives, that gets people's attention. That's when they say, um, what must I do to have what you have? What must I do to be saved? And that's what the jailer said. He says, there's no way on earth that you guys should have stayed. You had the opportunity to leave. But Paul and Silas were worshiping the Lord, and as a result, the power of God moved. And this jailer, and I'm sure some of the people who were in the cell, some of the other prisoners, their ears perked up. And they said, listen, we want what you have. What must we do to be saved? And that was how the church at Philippi started. With that jailer, they were some of the first believers. That jailer, and it says in his household, were saved. Woo, good stuff, but we have to keep going. <laughs> All right, Colossians. Um, yet another book that was written by Paul. Now, the church at um, Colossae was new. It was vulnerable, just like uh, many of the other churches that we've talked about. Um, somehow, they became infected with some false teaching. And again, this letter, um, Colossians, is Paul's way to address some of this false teaching. The letter touches on uh, false teaching involving legalism, the worship of angels, and a diminished view of Jesus. And so some were starting to say, well, I don't know. Is he really the son of God? I don't know. Is he really who he says he is? And so um, Paul writes this letter <clears throat> to address some of those false teachings. 
First uh, and Second Thessalonians, also written by Paul. Um, Paul, so he goes to um, Thessalonica, and he introduces um, the Christian faith, and he's talking to them about Christ, talking to them about the way, and um, people are coming to know the Lord. And um, about three weeks after that, Paul has to flee for his life. <laughs> and this is nothing new for Paul. He, Paul is constantly fleeing for his life. And so um, got some people riled up. They came after him. He has to take off. And so after only spending three weeks with these um, believers and preaching and teaching, um, he's gone. And so Paul sends Timothy, um, one of the young men that he's mentoring, he sends Timothy back to this uh, group of believers um, in Thessalonica uh, with this letter. And um, Paul wants to know, how are they doing? I mean, this is a brand new group of believers, and um, I'm sure they're facing some persecution of their own. And Paul is like, you know, Timothy, go back and, and give me a report. How are they doing? And so Timothy comes back with two reports. Um, Timothy comes back with a report that the church is still standing strong. So that's good. They're still standing strong. However, he says there have been some issues um, over doctrine that were becoming divisive. And so um, Paul writes this letter, sends it with Timothy, and as a result of um, how they responded to the first letter, then he again sends a second letter, again by the hand of um, Timothy. And so can you imagine you're a new believer, a brand new believer, someone comes to town, they tell you about the Lord, they tell you about the way, uh, you give your life to the Lord, um, you're starting to receive instruction, and then they, they're gone. Just like that, they're gone. There's no coming to church every Sunday, 915 service with coffee. That doesn't happen. They literally have to rely on the instruction that Paul is giving them through uh, Timothy, through these letters. That's all they have. That's, that's what they have. And so these letters are very important to them. And so Paul makes sure to communicate to this group, this body of believers uh, with these letters, first and second Thessalonians. <clears throat> the next letters, um, first and second Timothy, and then I included Titus in um, with this group. These are considered pastoral letters. Um, Paul writes these letters to these two young men that he is mentoring, uh, Timothy and Titus. Uh, they've traveled with him. Uh, they've experienced miracles with him. They've ministered with him. And so um, Paul, is he's kind of coming up alongside them, and he's saying, listen, guys, this is how um, I want you to shepherd. This is how you lead. Um, he's, he's teaching them to care about the people, um, how to care for them, um, the people that they are leading and the people that are coming to Christ through their ministry. And so um, just very beautiful letters, pastoral letters, uh, letters of encouragement, instruction to these young men who are um, traveling with Paul and who are um, beginning to lead people of their own, lead um, groups of people, groups of new believers of their own. Philemon. Um, there are four books in the New Testament that are just one chapter. So if you're daunted by Romans or Galatians or Acts that has 28 chapters, you may want to start with one of these. Uh, there are four uh, books that have one chapter. Philemon is one of them. And Philemon, um, it's a very personal letter uh, because it deals with a sensitive uh, subject matter. Now, Philemon was um, a friend of Paul's. And Philemon owned um, a slave, and the slave's name was Onesimus. And one day, this slave, Onesimus, decides that he's going to steal some money and run away. And that's what he does. He steals money, he runs away to Rome, and in Rome, he encounters Paul. 
Now you know his life is not going to stay the same after encountering Paul, and it doesn't. Paul preaches to him, shares the gospel with him. Onesimus comes um, to faith in Christ. And then Paul says, listen, now, uh, we need to do something about this. I I need you to go back and make things right. And I love that Paul did that. He didn't just, you know, uh, give him an out. Uh, He said, listen, now that you're a believer and you're following Christ, uh, you you need to go back and you need to take take care of this and make it right um, with Philemon. And so um, you can imagine Onesimus was probably scared to death to go back to his owner who he stole from and then ran away from. Uh, So Paul helps him out a little bit. He sends Onesimus back with a letter, and that letter is Philemon. And I love some of the things that Paul says um, in this letter that he sends back with Onesimus to Philemon. Listen to some of these words. Paul says to Philemon, I am sending him, Onesimus, who is my very heart, back to you. Um, Verse 16, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me but even dear to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. Welcome him as you would welcome me. And I have to believe that that made a difference with how um, Onesimus was received when he went back to Philemon, just having kind of Paul's endorsement and saying, listen, he's a brother now in the Lord. You know, treat him accordingly. Um, he's not just a slave. He, he's, he's a dear brother, fellow believer, um, fellow man. And so um, I love that Paul says, welcome him as you would welcome me. All right. So that's the, the letter to Philemon. Um, Hebrews. Um, the author of Hebrews is thought to be a man by the name of Apollos. I'm not 100% sure of that, but most scholars lean toward him. Um, he was a teacher. He was a leader in the early church, and he was a uh, companion of Paul. Much of this book, uh, much of this letter is devoted to unveiling how Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. It bridges the relationship between Jews and Gentiles, uh, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, um, law and grace. And uh, many people know um, the the famous chapter 11 of Hebrews, known um, as the faith chapter. It starts out with faith is the evidence, um, is the confidence that we have what we hope for, the evidence of what we do not yet see. Um, That may be familiar to a lot of you, but chapter 11, known for the faith chapter, talks about those who walked in faith. Um, Many of them didn't even see what they were believing for with their eyes, but they walked believing that it was going to happen. Talks about Abraham, um, talks about Samson, Rahab, Joseph. Um, But anyways, chapter 11 of um, Hebrews, the book of faith. And amazing. I love uh, one of the verses says um, when speaking of these men and women who walked in faith, it says the world was not even worthy of them. <laughs> Woo! Don't know if that could be said about me, but I sure want it. Hope <laughs> that it could be said about me. Um, James. Now, um, James is often called the great book of wisdom uh, for the New Testament. Uh, Proverbs gets that distinction for the Old Testament, the book of wisdom. Uh, But for the New Testament, James is called the great book of wisdom. Um, It's full of practical, in the trenches, wisdom for daily life. Um, James was one of the brothers of Jesus. Yes, he actually had some brothers, some uh, half-brothers. And he was one of the select individuals that Jesus visited um, after his resurrection. Paul refers to James as a pillar in the church. And um, tradition has it that he was known as Old Camel Knees. 
um, because he was in prayer so much on his knees that he actually had uh, calluses on his knees. And so he was, tradition says he was uh, known as Old Camel Knees. Uh, James was martyred in AD 62. Uh, he was a remarkable man and just an amazing spiritual leader. First and second, Peter. Um, these were written by the Apostle Peter. Um, and these letters were written to uh, multiple churches. They were passed around from church to church, not just uh, one church was addressed in these letters. Um, they tend to hop from topic to topic, but if you had to kind of zone in and, and pick, pick out something or pinpoint something that the book um, dealt with, First Peter deals with how to handle persecution, and Second Peter deals with how to handle false teachers. First and second Peter. All right. First, second, and third John. Whew, written by the Apostle John. Um, now, John is second only to Paul with how much material he actually wrote um, in the New Testament. So he, he wrote, um, again, going back to the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. He wrote John. Then he wrote these three letters. And then he wrote the um, book that Pastor Ryan will talk about next Sunday, which is Revelation. John wrote that as well. Um, John was the cousin of Jesus, and he was called the man that Jesus loved because he was the closest, most intimate friend Jesus had while on the earth. Third John is the shortest book in the Bible, but it's a good one. First, second, third John are among my favorites. They are, they're really, really good. Um, they all are, but I really like first, second, third John a lot. All right, Jude, wrapping it up. <laughs> All right, Jude. Uh, Jude was written to a general audience. Um, it was written to address heresy, um, particularly immoral men who were distorting the message of grace. So uh, they got a hold of this, this grace, and they're like, you know, we, we like this grace thing. So pretty much we can do whatever we want, and then uh, God's going to forgive us, right? That's pretty much it. Yeah. And so they were distorting grace. They were kind of uh, taking advantage of it and saying, well, um, I can do this because basically you have to forgive me. I mean, there's grace, right? Oh, oh, I can do this because, well, there's grace. And so um, Jude writes and he says, no, um, no, we, we don't take advantage of grace. We don't walk over grace and we don't distort the message of grace. And so he wrote to correct uh, this false teaching. Guys, we did it. No one fell asleep. <laughs> Unless you know how to sleep with your eyes open. Um, well, I know that was a lot of writing, a lot of note-taking. Um, these last several weeks as we've gone through this um, series have felt more like um, a classroom setting where there's a, you know, a teacher, a lecturer, you take notes, and um, feels a little academic. But, um, and I was feeling that way a little bit, even preparing for the sermon. And um, the Lord just spoke something to me, and I want to share it with you. Um, there's a, a passage in um, the book of John, chapter 6, that says, you know, Jesus is saying this, and he says, my words are spirit and they are life. Spirit and life. And so even though this has been a little bit more of an um, academic setting and, um, you know, lecture and taking notes, and I just want you to know that when we're talking about the word of God, we're talking about life. And when you're hearing the word of God, life is going into you. It's going into me when I'm speaking it. I'm speaking life out and I'm breathing life in, and the same for you. And so, you know, I, I hope that 
um, one of the takeaways from today, even though feverishly writing, you may feel like you didn't even really get to absorb or hear the words that I'm speaking because you're so busy writing. You were hearing life. Life was being spoken. So receive it in the name of Jesus. Spirit, his words are spirit. They are life in Jesus' name. Receive life.